want to welcome you to the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. Elevate Youth Sunday was incredible, and God gave us a word where we learned about how obedience is something that we can use to ignite our faith in Jesus. Let's tune in together in this week's edition of the Annex Podcast. Hey, worship team, real quick. Can we give it up for Jesus real quick? Listen, you guys, we made it. It is Elevate You Sunday. Can I get the lights on? Can I see all these beautiful faces? Oh, my God. Look at him. Well, if you're new here and you're wondering why I'm yelling at you. No, I'm joking. If you're new here and don't know who I am, my name is John R. Butcher Jr., or known as JR. I am the Elevate Youth Director here at the Building Christian Fellowship. And first, I want to give honor where honor is due. I want to first thank God. You know how they do like in the interviews after games? Yeah, whatever. I want to thank God. I want to thank our pastors, John R. Butcher Sr. and Kaya Butcher for just giving us the platform to be able to reach our youth in our community. I want to thank all of our great crew leaders. I want to thank Isaiah and Isabella and Alex back there serving. And all of our volunteers, it's nameless. If it wasn't for all the people that sacrificed their time, we wouldn't be having stuff like this. It's all about the people. And we like to honor people, amen? And I want to forget one special person, my boo. My wife, Erica Lynn Butcher. Babe, I love you. Thank you so much. You're just a great mom, a great wife, and a great woman of God. Don't cry. All right, that's my goal. You know how you get achievements in video games? I'm trying to make my wife cry today. It, 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 I've come to realize that I get older. I'm turning 25 this year. Like, you're a baby. Calm down. You were born in the 90s. But as I am getting older, I'm starting to realize that I live a really blessed life. You know, I have, I have a, a wonderful marriage. You know, our, our baby is four months old in about a week, two weeks. Four months old already, getting her motor skills together. And, and even being, being the Elevate Youth Director, I, I feel like God has given me visions that I want to see through. God has given me visions that I know it's going to take some time to cultivate it. So... I'm trying to be a, the, 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 the best steward of my time, the best steward of my resources, the best steward of my body. So this year in 2018, I just decided to start taking my health seriously. As, as my boy Trey in the back, we used to play at Vanden High, played football, defensive tackle. I have no reason to be 300 pounds anymore. <laughs> Let's be honest. But, you know, I was already like, you know, Weight training and powerlifting with my cousin Donald at the spot. Where are my spot folks at? Oh, yeah, I forgot about the ladies in the morning. No, I don't go, so I don't know who goes. So, anyways. But, you know, my parents were like, look, we know you weight train, but you're not getting enough cardio. I mean, like, we, we getting our work in. He's like, you need some cardio. So you should come to our gym, the, the factory, Elite Fitness. So I'm in the beginning class, right? And I don't believe I'm the beginning class. We be doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Okay? Burpees are the devil. 
Frog burpees, gorilla burpees, pop-ups, they're all burpees. They're all the devil. You're right. But let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about the gym I go to now, right? So, I mean, going to this gym, and at first I walked in, it was already kind of weird because I'm the only male in the room, first off. So I'm kind of like, this is really awkward. So, like, like Howard would be in there like, all right, come on, ladies, and JR. I'm like, dang, why do I got to be the person singled out? Didn't want that. Just want to come in, get my work, go home. But it, it, it's funny because, you know, the first six weeks I was going, I was, like, feeling a lot better. I only lost like a couple pounds. But then two weeks ago, we started the 20-pound challenge. It's a six-week challenge. And I'm going to say this, even with Howard here, I'm tired of boiled eggs. I'm so tired of boiled eggs. Like, it makes me gag. I feel like I'm a, like, fear factor, you know, like they have to do crazy stuff. That's how I feel. Let me be honest. But because I, I trusted his plan with the food plan and I trusted the workouts and I, and I made sure I did everything right, I'm already down 20 pounds. Don't clap. Don't clap. I got like four weeks left. Let's, let's not celebrate too early. Let's not celebrate too early. But it, there's, a, there's a couple different kinds of people that I see in the gym. And I don't mean to like roast them or like single them out. I'm not going to call any names. But you got the type of people that, for instance, for instance, you got the type of people that come in, they see the workout, and they're like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Hilarious. Then you got the type of people that show up late and then leave early. Like, all right, Kaya, bye. Oh, see you later. Grab another their water bottles and stuff. All right, bye. Bye, sweetie. Because they're, they're females. That's why. They say sweetie and stuff like that. And then, then you got the people that come in, they see the workout, but they don't actually do the workout. They do their own self-adjustments. And it was funny because I was talking to, to a young lady at, young lady, to a young lady at the gym, and she was telling me, she's like, are you about to start the 20-week challenge? It's about two, three weeks ago. Are you about to start the 20-pound challenge? I'm like, yeah, you know, me and my wife, you know, we're going to be doing it together, kind of keep consistent. And she's all, well, it doesn't really work. And I'm like, it doesn't work? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I did it, and, you know, I did the whole six weeks. Well, actually, I cheated most of the time, but it just doesn't work. I only lost, like, seven pounds. I was like, Okay. Take your word for it. <laughs> but how many people treat church like that? Got you. <laughs> how many people treat church like that? We come in, we see the form, we see the instruction, but we go, uh, I'm not doing that. Oh, I see the form, but let me kind of try and adapt it and do it my own way. Let, let, let me... Let me I don't have to be there right at 11 o'clock. I can show up like at 11.45, catch a part of the word, and then go home. And then blame the pastor for why I'm not growing. I guess we're stepping on toes today. But here's what I want us to understand over everything else. This is what God wants from you. More than sacrifice, he wants your obedience. Because it's not necessarily about the people at the fitness that they're all like fit athletes. It's about following the plan. Look, I started off, and I'm out of shape. I was 320 pounds doing burpees, right? Hated it. I'm looking at Howard. He's like, come on, JR. And I'm like, bruh, let me just get two in, bruh. Let me get two. And we got to do like 25. But even now, and I'm still upset about, we did, we did like burpee Friday. But here's the thing. 
little did I know I'm getting better at the burpees because I'm following the plan. So here's where we're going. It's not necessarily about, necessarily about your capability, but it's about your obedience. Are you willing to have faith in God to have the obedience? Whether, whether you're, you're a seasoned Christian or you don't know who the heck Jesus is, this is how you ignite your faith. This is my title for today, Igniting My Faith. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. And when you get there, say, elevate all eight people. I chug water bottles now, too. I'm a professional water bottle chugger. <laughs> if you don't have it, just look up at the Sky Bible. And it reads, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi-Haharoth, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal-Zephon, you shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart, keep your finger there, so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did also, or, oh, excuse me, and they did so. How many everybody's seen Prince of Egypt before, right? Lila, 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 Lila. You remember that scene? It's not that accurate. It's close. It's entertaining. But they didn't quite keep it. Yeah, nail it. They didn't keep it real. Because if you know or you're familiar with the story of Moses, Pharaoh was told more than once, let my people go. Pharaoh was told more than once, like, look, here's your opportunity to do the will of God. And each and every time, like we read um, over in verse 4, Pharaoh's heart hardened. But what was peculiar to me in this particular passage was the fact that God said, then I will harden Pharaoh's heart. So I was thinking, I'm just like, man, like, I know you're not, you know, supposed to question God or anything, but I was reading the passage, even as somebody that studies their word, and I'm like, God, I thought you wanted your people to be free. I thought you wanted your people to be delivered. Why are you doing the very thing that's going to keep them in capacity, keep them in bondage. So I'm like, man, it just doesn't make sense. So I started to think about it. And I just felt like God is clear to me. He's like, it wasn't necessarily me that went and hardened Pharaoh's heart. It was my will that hardened Pharaoh's heart because it came in conflict with what my will was. Because you see, Pharaoh had a lot of interest in having those millions and millions of people as slaves. That's what was causing his currency. That's what was building his empire. That's what was making him great. So when somebody comes and threatens that, it's like, let my people go. He's like, nah, they can work harder. And what we were providing for them before, cut that out, and they still have to produce the same that they were producing. A hardened heart. A hardened heart. Here's my first point. I cannot receive with a hardened heart. Say it with me. I cannot receive with a hardened heart. I was like, if your heart is not prepared to receive instruction from God, how can we expect to be obedient to his commands? If you're not in the position to receive the word of God, how can you expect to grow? Almost like when we had, I had prayed, it, there's, there's the way that the word references a hardened heart or hardened ground. 
when anytime you're about to plant a seed, you need to make sure the ground is tilled and the ground is ready to be planted. Otherwise, you're going to plant a seed and it's going to die. You're going to plant a seed it's going to be dried out by the sun. You're going to plant a seed and, and the crows will come and snatch up the seed. So there's an important thing about keeping the ground tilled in your heart. So it, it's, it's not about you just coming to church once a week and like, all right, got my one day week. Like we're punching in for church. You want to continuously be fe- feeding yourself. So what do you suggest, JR? What are, you, what are you trying to tell me? What do you suggest that I do? Because I, I thought coming to church on a Sunday was, was, was enough. I thought bringing my kids here was enough. I thought maybe seeing God on, on Christmas and Easter and Mother's Day was enough. What do I do? You want to identify the problem and make adjustments to the change. Turn with me to v- Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Starting from verse 17. And it reads, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed minds, closed their minds, and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So he's speaking. Paul is speaking to, the, to the, the church of Ephesus saying, look, if you have been delivered, why turn back? You've come this far already, why turn back? I, I've shown you the truth, I've shown you the way, I've shown you the light, why turn back to darkness? So here, here's the resolve from uh, verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Renew, renewal, refreshing, starting over again. I, 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 we, we, uh, from time and time again, we try to break it up. I don't want to just continuously preach to our youth every Thursday, get them in a habit. I like to break things up to keep their minds going. You know what I'm saying? So we have these discussion groups. We break out into like, we break out across the room. I ask a couple questions and everybody gets the opportunity to speak, whether they're right or wrong, because we're trying to build them up. We're not trying more religious people that just come to church. We're trying to train people that have real relationships. So I want them to be able to think for themselves. So I like to keep it funny. I'm not always so serious. So well, I asked him like a would you rather question. You guys remember the would you rathers? So I asked these questions. One of them was this. It said, would you rather keep the same pair of underwear on for a week or be able to change your clothes, but you can't take a shower for a week? And it's funny because like some of the boys were really thinking like, well, you know what? I think I can make it a week without my underwear. That's cool. I can, I can do that. I can do that. So if we wouldn't do that physically, to be physically dirty, why would we do that spiritually? Why why would we set ourselves up to to have the same clothes on we had on Sunday and wear them throughout the week spiritually? Follow me. It's about renewal. Every time you get up, what do you do? You brush your teeth, you wash your face, you shower, you do whatever you have to do, and you put what? Fresh, new clothes on. You have to renew your mind. You have to renew your heart because once you think that you got God in this box, like, yeah, I know who God is. I got got him in a box. It's all figured out. I'm good. My relationship is good. That's where you start to fail because that's where pride kicks in. 
And when pride kicks in, boy, you're stuck. You're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for fail. I don't know how many people I've seen at this spot hurt themselves trying to be prideful because they think that they can lift it. Luckily, we have accountability at the spot like, bro, get up. Put it down. Get up. Like now, stop. Put it down. I can't even find him. Where is he at? There he is. He's like, I'm going to get you later. But no, we have to renew our minds. We have to be able to humble ourselves. Amen. Being able to submit under God's will and his authority. Let's go back to Exodus. I got a big chunk here. Bear with me. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart, there it goes again, of Pharaoh king of Egypt. And he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Haharoth before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt, so, dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. I read all that for a reason. They felt, the people of God, the same people that had witnessed all those miracles, the same people that witnessed God move on their behalf, the same people that have watched a faithful God do what he said he was going to do, they said that they'd much rather be in bondage than to be free, being obedient to God's word. What kind of mindset is that? What kind of mindset is that? But I mean, if you were under oppression for 400, 430 years, I guess being under bondage is, is comfortable. Going back to what you know is comfortable, it's natural, we're flesh, we're, we're not perfect. So, so when, you, when you let a, a, a pig out into a pig side, where is it going to go? Back to the slop. Because that's what's natural to him. But for us, when we separate ourselves from the will of God, we do what our flesh wants. And what the flesh wants, it continues to grow. Always think of things like a seed. This is what Jesus always like compared things to, like farmers, agriculture. Anytime you plant a seed, it grows. Anytime a seed grows, it bears fruit. When it bears fruit, it bears more seeds. So your actions, you, you not following the will of God isn't just affecting you. Parents, you not following the will of God is affecting your whole family. Teachers, you not following the will of God is affecting your classroom. Police officers, you not following the will of God is affecting the community. Let's be honest, it's not about profession, but it's all about what the heart is looking like. You can be a police officer, you can be uh, working in bail bondsman, you can be a trainer, you can be a, a, a probation officer, a nurse, it doesn't matter. Where is your heart at? We get so caught up like, oh man, 
the person that's preaching must be the most spiritual person in the room. No. By, by all means, I am not perfect. I don't claim to be perfect. I am far from perfect, but I am still pressing towards the goal. There's a direction that I go in. Only perfection that I claim is Jesus Christ. Because if I work harder to be more like him and I follow his footsteps, that's what gets me in the will of God. But I want us to look very closely at how the Israelites uh, reacted to this uh, 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 caught between a, a rock and a hard place type of situation. Because they quite literally were caught up between a rock and a hard place. They were caught up between the Red Sea and this place, I think it's pi Haharoth, was literally a mountain range of rocks. So a rock and a hard place. They were stuck. So, they, so fear comes in. And fear creates doubt. And doubt creates panic. And panic causes us to make ill-advised decisions. Especially when things get uncomfortable. But how many people know that there's a place for doubt in your life? There really is. There's, there's a, a nice, comfortable place for doubt to be. It's behind you. Doubt has no place to be in your field of sight. It might show its face. It might show its size. It might show how much of a threat it can be. But you have the power to overcome anything with Jesus Christ on your side. So, so a lot of times, you know, actually, you know what? Here's my next point. I cannot move forward with misplaced doubts. I cannot move forward with misplaced doubts. So imagine, for us, when we doubt, we panic. When we panic, it causes us to make ill-advised decisions. And because we're wrapped in flesh, we want to do what our flesh wants. So we set up this, this, this big statue, this, this thing that we worship, this thing that we put in front of us and we reverence. It's like, oh, man. Here goes this addiction again. I can't seem to get around it. Oh, yes, pastor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Church was good, wasn't it? But this addiction, this toxic relationship, this situation that's pulling me from God. God, why would you give me this? Why, why would you do this to me? Not knowing we had the power the whole time to move out our way and move forward. We need to stop giving the enemy the power that he doesn't have. It's for show. False evidence appearing real. We have the victory in Jesus Christ. He's already won. It's over. The decision is decided. It's like the Mayweather fight. Like, bro, why are we having this fight? Mayweather's going to win the fight. Why are we doing this? I don't know where that came from. I thought it was a waste of money. But anyways, keep, I didn't, I didn't put this in the notes to be put up there, but I want you to write this down. Remember, do what you have to do. Keep your goal in front and your doubts behind. Keep your goal in front and your doubts behind. Listen to what I said. I said goal on purpose. I didn't say goals I said goal, singular, because a lot of times we like to choose things that, that seems to have the best opportunity. Oh, man, this, hey, so, hey, we want to give you this job. It's an extra $10,000 a week. A week. <laughs> $10,000 a year. Let's be realistic. 
like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, I received that. Yes, Lord. <laughs> An extra $10,000 a year. But you're going to have to miss Sundays. Uh, nah, you won't have time to go to church. Are you, are you want to accept the job? Hey, bro, 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 bro. You see that girl over there, that fine girl over there, the one that be at church? Hey, she told me to give you her number. She's been looking at you, bro. She, she likes you, bro. She likes you. That might be wifey, bro. That might be wifey. Opportunity. Hey, 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 hey. It's Thursday, bro. They're having a party. School's almost over. Let's come through, man. The party's at 7 o'clock. No, nah, man, I got to elevate. I got to be there. No, 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 man. I'm not messing with that chick. God will show me who my wife is. Because a man that finded a wife finded a good thing. Nah, man, I'm not worried about the extra $10,000. God has something greater for me. That's faith. That's obedience. Because a lot of times when we look at opportunity, we think, okay, we set all these goals in front of us. Like, oh, I want to, like for instance, say I wanted to start a business and I wanted to have a videography business, for instance. And I'm like, you know what would be really cool if I started making t-shirts? Like, no, you don't need to be making t-shirts. Donald makes t-shirts. Fred makes t-shirts. Stay in your lane. Oh, you know what? You know what? I think, you know, I love kids. I think I'd be a really cool campus monitor like Isaiah. That's Isaiah's lane. Stay in your lane. You know what? You know what? Man, times are getting hard. And I'm trying to live an honest life, but it's getting hard, man. If I can just go sell this bag real quick, I won't get caught. It'll be cool. I'll be there. I'll be back. No sweat. Stay in your lane. Don't, don't, don't let money change your vision. Our vision is Christ. Our goal is Christ. Anything that is separating you from Jesus Christ isn't for it. But it starts with relationship. Religion won't get you there. Relationship will get you there. Because when things get hard and Pharaoh's army start to, to attack, where is your focus? Is it on the army? Is it on the mountain range? Is it on the sea? Is it on being stuck? Put your doubts behind you and keep your goal ahead of you, amen? amen. Let, me, let, me, let me reassure you. You know, a lot of times you hear preachers up here talking about, trust God, trust God, trust God, trust God, trust God. And you're like, bro, why? Why? Why should I trust God? God's word always produces what is sent out to do. Isaiah 55, verse 10. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to do. Want it to, excuse me. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. If a word proceeds from God's mouth, it's going to do what is called to do. If he says that he loves you, he means it. If he says he'll be your protector, he means it. If he says that he's sending a comforter, he means it. If he says he's going to be a light into your path, he means it. If he says for you to trust him, he means it. If he says you have all power, he means it. Jesus. He means every word that he says. God cannot lie. He's not trying to mislead you. Quit thinking that, oh, God must be testing me. No. <laughs> Build your faith. Ain't a test. This is a workout. Let, let's get this done. I, I, I've come into the mentality now, 
being 25, <laughs> that I come expecting. I come expecting. Whether it be good or bad, I know that God is on my side. And I'm not saying that from my actions, because I'm going to tell you this straight up. It, 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 like, bugs crawl under my skin when I hear people say, God said. But let me give you the context. When people say God said, and they try to, like, kind of cloud their bad behavior, well, you know, God told me uh, I should get married to this chick, and I won't be coming to church anymore, so. God said, God told me to leave. God told me this church isn't for me. I just can't quite get connected. Like, did you come to Bible study and come to the family game night and all the opportunities that we have to serve? No, I'm not quite into serving, but God told me. See you later. Quit trying to put words in God's mouth. God, God's word doesn't need to be added to. It doesn't need to be subtracted from. There's, there's a term that theologians use called eisegesis. It's when you put your own will on the word. When it's like, for instance, like, God told me I'm going to prosper, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend all my money on the lottery. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm a prosperer. That's not faith. That's stupidity. Keep it 100. Keep it 100. God is with us through the process. God gives provision for the vision he's given us. Isaiah 41 verses 10 said, do not be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. God doesn't waste a breath. God doesn't waste any word. Don't be afraid. He's with you. Don't be discouraged. He is your God. He will strengthen you. He will help you through those hard situations, through the addiction, through, through the depression, through the darkness, through the times you feel like you're alone, through the times that you're in a room full of people, but you feel like you're by yourself. God is the comforter. God is the healer. God is the one that's going to get you through. We have a God-sized void in our hearts, but we try to fill it with addiction. We try to fill it with, with toxic relationships. We try to fill it with everything else but God. And it might numb the process for a little bit. It might make you feel good for a little bit. It might, you know, feel good for the moment, for a season. But God's goodness, God's love is eternal. It's eternal. He wants us to be one like him and the Father are one. What does that mean? He's like, so I want the spirit that lives inside of me to live inside of them. The power that is inside of me to live inside of them. So that when they come to hard situations, when they come to, to the, 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 the trials and tribulations in life, they can overcome it and not be afraid. Back to Exodus. You're like, good Lord, how much is in Exodus? Good God. <laughs> and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who, whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Is he wrong? No? Did God tell him that? Did God tell him that you wouldn't see the Egyptians anymore? He said, I will gain honor over the Egyptians. Don't add, don't subtract. I'm not saying that his faith wasn't, like, distorted, but you can't put the cart before the horse. God calls a word, and then we move. I think this is what God wants us to do, and you act on it. Like, no. God calls a word, and then we move. We read our word. Oh, God says have faith. I'm going to have faith in him. 
Not myself. Not in what I can do, but what he can do. But watch how God responds. I kind of feel like God has a sense of humor. Like God roasts the people of God sometimes. Watch this. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? What are you crying to me for? That sounds so messed up. That's not how I imagine God. I imagine God is just this loving, caring God that just wants to accept you in his open arms. And I don't know where that voice came from. But he says, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on, dr- on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. There's the word. Go forward. And if you know anything, if you watch the lie, 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 it's that Moses always had that rod with him before he met God. Catch this. Catch this. God is very intentional about every single thing that he does. So when he created you, he created you with purpose. He created you with gifts. He created you with talents. He created with, uh, things with inside of you that you're supposed to cultivate. Let me give you a for instance. I would have never done video if I wouldn't have started in the church. It just so happened that there was a need in the church to do graphics and video, and I'm like, uh, okay, I'll invest my time. I'll get a Mac, but it's kind of fun to me. I'll do that. And then I got better. Did I know I could do video? By no means. But my talent started to grow. It's 2018, and I'm able to tell people about Jesus over the Internet. I'm able to find youth in our community and, and bring them in to the love of God. I never would have known I was a musician if I never was in church. You know, even though Kevin is raw, he's, putting, he's giving me a run for my money. He is. He is. They're like, I've been noticing you've been off the drums lately. What's going on? Like, did you quit? Like, something. That was a rotation. We serve. That's how it should be. I'm not in competition with him. Kevin is dope. And I'm, I'm proud enough to say that. He's dope. But I wouldn't have been able to cultivate my gifts if I wasn't in church, if I wasn't serving with the people of God, if I wasn't being obedient to where God needed me to be. Here's what I want you to understand. God has created you with gifts. He's created you with talents. He's created you with a purpose. And a lot of times in today's world, we, we, we have a distorted view of how things look. We think that we just go to God for help. Like, hey, God, here's my burdens. I'm going to go home now. I'm going to come to church for two hours, feel good, go home. It's not like that. God has created something inside of you for, you for you to grow with his help. What has God given you? And I'm coming to my close. That was elegant, right? That was real smooth. Coming to my close, I want you to ask yourself, what has God given you? What has God given you? If you don't know what your gift is, if you don't know what your talent is, if you don't know what you're good at, if you don't know what your purpose is, let me help you out. There's one thing that God has given you that we can all attest to, and it's grace. God has given us grace. But I want want you to understand that you have to invest it correctly. 
like Donald was saying, grace is our greatest commodity. It's meant to be invested. It's almost like money. It's time. Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your treasure? Because where your treasure is, your heart is also. And I'm not saying like, oh, well, my heart's at the Building Christian Fellowship. Oh. We're not about that here. It's real relevant relationship. You see, you want to be in a place where it's like, man, my heart and God's heart is one and the same. I don't love like John. I love like God. I don't love, I don't forgive like John would forgive. I would forgive like God. And in order for me to do that, I have to be obedient to what the example that he's given me. You know, Christ came, wrapped himself in flesh to be an example. An example of how to be a servant and an example of how to sacrifice. And through his example, this is what he did. He lived the, the, the God and Christ-like life. He, he, he died for our sins so that we may have grace. And he came back from the dead so that we could have the power. All authority over the enemy. So no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Nothing that threatens me can defeat me. Because if I'm by myself, it is impossible. With God, all things are possible. So I, I, I move with that confidence. I'm, I'm, if it, I was up at 4 o'clock this morning, like I was about to go to Disneyland, just anxious. Anytime I preach on a Sunday, even though I do it once a week now. So it's like, dude, what's your problem? But the only thing that gets me up here is the confidence of God. God, get me out the way. Dude, dude, God, get me out the way. Because one, I'll say something stupid. And two, I'm not up here to, to, to talk about John's will. I'm up here to talk about God's will. Can you stand on your feet for me? This word touch anybody? Anybody get anything out of this? Now here's how we make sure that seed that we just received grows about obedience. It's accepting the plan and the process of the person or, or, or the God that gave it to us, that seed. I am just a vessel. Each one of you can preach. Each one of you can minister. It might not necessarily be on a platform in front of however many people are here, but you all have platforms. You all have a place that you are preaching at. You have people looking at you for guidance. You have people that are looking at you for the light. You have people that are looking at you for Jesus. So in order for us to operate in the will of God, we have to be obedient to the will of God. And I know it's hard to have faith. We have doubts. Doubts are big. They're ugly. They're scary. But they belong behind you. You have the power. You have the victory. So here's what I'm inviting you to do. I'm inviting you to accept victory. How easy is that? Who wouldn't, want to, who wouldn't want to be like, hey, man, you didn't do anything to deserve this, but you win. You didn't do a thing to deserve this, but you win. I like that game. I'm cool with that. So if there's anybody here today that is looking to accept Jesus Christ, our God, our Savior, our Messiah, into their hearts to be their Lord and Savior, to guide them, to lead them through their lives. I want you to raise your hand. If 
put it right back down. Amen. 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 No, this is a victorious moment. They win too. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.